It's said we're ruled by the talking class. Conversation isn't taught in school the way reading and writing are. We're somehow asked to create great conversation from thin air. These podcasts attempt to focus on great conversation. According to Psychology Today, a good conversationalist needs to understand quickly changing subjects. I've chosen my guests for that very reason. I hope you enjoy their view on the world and their shared experiences as much as I have. So let's jump straight back into the conversation with our last guest. Hi, Michael and I were talking about uh, innovation and scaling up creativity and all of a sudden uh, one of our laptops seemed to... uh, check out <laughs> so we're back with michael again so. right right love it love it i think uh I, I continually learned that technology is fantastic until it's not and so that's just that's just fully and utterly agree with you on that one it's uh love it yeah. love it yep i think we were talking so we were talking about the rebirth of of the renaissance man and really we're at the time we're at a time where the barrier to exit from idea to execution is so low you know if you this is the this is the golden age of the solo solopreneur right how the crazy name that justin welsh coined and and gets up you know gets all the credit for but this idea that somebody can literally make seven figures without hiring another person because we have so much technology at scale um is awesome and it, it creates the birth of the renaissance man again you can think have ideas, have your ideas tested on the open marketplace, get your ideas to execution faster than ever before and, um, and get instant feedback. And so, you know, it doesn't, it, for the last, last 150 years, you got paid by being a specialist, um, all the way up until you were made a CEO. Um, and, and then, it, you know, in that case that I think that's, that has led to, a lot of the problems, right? And so our CEOs were either the chief sales officers or they were the former chief financial officers, depending on what flavor the board wanted to go. Um, and the only people that got to enjoy kind of a renaissance existence were the owners, right? Were, were the board people. But even they, they um, didn't come up with any new ideas on their own. They just enjoyed the point of privilege of being, being able to outsource and buy other people's ideas, right? That's that's why we love Shark Tank that or, or the Dragon's Den, depending on on where you're at. Is is it's this these people who have gotten so much money that they no longer have to have their own ideas; they can just buy ideas at scale, right? And and so all they're doing is just buying a new idea, plugging it into their distribution system, buying a new idea, plugging it into the distribution. That's not innovation, right? That's not growth. That's just playing around the aesthetics. That's not the kind of stuff that produces a new theory of relativity or creates a Mona Lisa or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think with, with Twitter, with social media, um, I'm really, really excited to be part of this new revival of the, uh, of the Renaissance Renaissance person. So. Cool. The, I think it was Gottfried Leibniz is accused of being the last man alive who knew everything yeah i can't imagine since then and certainly not with the internet that there's anyone alive that could sort of be accused of knowing everything 
Do you think that's an right. issue or is that sort of just a liberation for people? Yeah, I think, I, I think that, so I think that as I'm chewing, as I'm chewing on your question for a little bit, um, as I, as I like to do, I think that knowing everything, I, I think what made these Renaissance people great, like, like, um, like the gentleman you were mentioning there, it, it wasn't everybody. Everybody assumed they knew everything because they didn't have something like the internet at the time. Um, but I think what it was was that part of it was the parlor trick. Um, the real science, the secret sauce, was their ability to apply the right information to any context that they found themselves in. Um, so it wasn't that they that they had to know everything. It was that they knew how to wield the information that they did know, and they w- knew how to wield the not knowing into something better into something that grew. Right. And so, um, anytime one of these cats would find themselves in a place where they didn't know something, they had a system for very quickly learning the bare minimum of what they needed to do in order to do the task at hand. Um, we now have that, that to me, that's the exciting part of this, of the time that we live in is we're at this, we're at the Zenith back of that. Right. If I can know everything anybody can know everything right all of us can now know everything because it's all easily available to us those that are winning the game are those that know how to apply that knowledge into something that actually leverages and moves on and they're the ones that know how to intelligently navigate that knowledge and find the right thing for the specific context and move on and so um that's why uh who was it i think it's henry kissinger Maybe. And if I misquoted him, so sorry, Henry Kissinger, but I think he's the one that said that we've transitioned from the age of information into the age of intelligence with the advent of of AI. So now we've got an intelligent agent that if we can come up with the right questions to ask it, we can accomplish anything, right? The barrier to execution is now so low, so dramatically lower um, that, uh, that it's exciting. It kind of goes from there. I've recently read a book, uh, I think it was by Stephen Epstein. Um, again, I hope I've got it. I've always want to say Brian Epstein, but he was the producer of the Beatles. So it's, uh, it's not that yeah. chat. Um, yeah. or Michael Epstein or, or you know, Martin yeah. Epstein or, or, or the Jeffrey Epstein, or the Jeffrey, the and the Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein who I was trying not to mention there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> this book's all about general generalists and specialists so i'm going to mm-hmm. ask you what your opinion is on that and he basically says that he's done this study of hundreds of thousands of people in some of them millions and it sort of relates to what you're saying there the generalist in you allows you to ask the right questions the mm-hmm. specialist in you helps you answer those questions would you sort yeah. of think that you know, generalist or specialist. Do you? Yeah. When I was when I was young, everybody was a generalist. It took you twenty odd years mm-hmm. to become a specialist, and now the I don't uh, know whether the education. You know, you sort of step out, and everyone's a specialist nowadays. You know, I'm I'm astounded by it, and you know, so many people are, um, especially right. with IT and things like that. You know, you know, you don't step out. I don't want my heart surgeon to be twenty two. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah. But not that I hope I need a heart surgeon. But do you think that we're in danger of just sort of over-specializing? 
You know, they call it yeah. they call it the Tiger Syndrome. You know, Tiger Woods is fantastic at golf, but you know, mm-hmm. can't play anything else. Um, mm. Whereas there are many people out there who actually, you know, didn't go professional yeah. until they were twenty one, uh, which in yeah. sports is half your careers over. Um, but are right. so good at what they do because they dabbled in lots of different things. Do you think you're pushed yeah. into being a specialist nowadays? Um. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm one of those I'm specialization has always chafed at me. So I've got I've got three degrees, each one of them in completely different fields. My undergrad was in religion, my master's was in business, and then my doctorate was in psychology. And so um, there's lots of overlaps that I could force, but none of them that that um, that you know can kind of go from there. And so I've been I've just been one of those guys that like. I have tried to specialize and it's never stuck. Um, you know, even the idea of like niching down for like my company and all that kind of stuff, it just doesn't. Every time I, tr- here's what I say. Every time I try and do it, I get, I, my, the net energy goes negative. The results come negative on the backside of it. And so, um, for me personally, I just have thrived the most when I can think, when I can dabble in a hundred different conversations and when my calendar is, is, you know, as, as a wide variety as it can be. And so, um, so that's for me, what I would say, you know, if you want to be, uh, well-paid and happy and content, be a specialist, just specialize down, pick one thing, specialize it, do it better than anybody else. Um, you know, and I, I always tell our undergrads, I said, I said, Figuring out your life is pretty easy. Um, you either need to be extremely passionate about something, in which case do that and do nothing else. Um, you either need, if you're not passionate about something, then you need to be extremely talented at something. And if you are extremely talented at something, then do nothing else but that thing that you're extremely talented at for forsake everything else. But if you're neither passionate in your talent or nor talented, which is the vast majority of us, then find the thing that nobody else wants to do and do it better than anybody else can. And you will get paid a crap ton of money for it. And so you don't have to love it. You don't have to be good at it. You just have to do it better than anybody else around you can do it. And it has to be the thing that nobody else wants to do. Um, you do that thing and you'll get paid well. And you specialize there on that part of it. And so um, if you want, if you're looking for the the contentment and you're looking for the, um, you know, the stability, specialize, specialize and get paid for your specialty. Um, but if you, if you, if you're going to walk the generalist path, part of what you have to accept the fact is that is, is there's a low level of, um, constant what's nextness that you, that you always kind of have to fight. And so even what I find myself catching, you know, we moved into a house that's wonderful, beautiful, will probably be my wife and I's forever home where we grow up our babies and all that kind of stuff. And I loved every minute of it. And in the middle of the move, I was already thinking about what's next. What what can I do next? Ah, I'm already here from there. And it's just it's part of the curse, right? It's just like, you know, you and you, you I had to recenter myself, retell myself, hey, I don't have to work like I earned this, all this kind of stuff. And so um yeah, I think that's you know, that's that's my two cents on the whole topic. I I'm coming up for 57 in two or three weeks and uh, I've lived in one place for three years in all of my life. Uh, So when, yeah, you get into a house and I'm like, but the house over the road looks kind of nice. You know, I'm sort of (laughs) 
you know, my wife just sort of looks at me and goes, you dare, you leave, you walk, you cross the road and I'm changing the locks. If I see you talking to the people over there, I will change the locks, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once yeah. that once that's sort of into you, I think it hopefully makes you an interesting person. And uh, you know, even if it's just flipping burgers at, burgers at a barbecue, you know, you, really? you've got some cool stories to tell. Um, on that sort of side of things, I remember Cal Newport. I read a book about mm-hmm. a book for him, and he talks about um, not doing what you're passionate about, but doing what you're really good at. I think he calls it the craftsman's principle. He said, you know, mm. there's very few people who actually get paid for their passion. You know, I love surfing. Mm. Um, there's no way I'm going to get paid to surf. Um, I'd, lo- right. I'd love to, but, you know, I'm just not that good. Um, and I live in yeah. Tashkent. It's about as far from the ocean as you can possibly get. Um, yeah. But so there's that sort of side of things, you know, do what you're actually good at. And I remember reading a story about a satirical cartoonist, and they were asking him mm. and saying, well, satirical cartoonists why and he said well i was really good at art but not good enough to be an artist and i was really good at comedy but i was never going to be paid to tell jokes so he said i combined the two on the advice of a friend of mine and created something Mm. that i was way better at everybody else at doing and uh so that sort of links in with your whole thing of finding two or three things that actually you can combine yeah. to create something fairly unique. And uh, yeah. so maybe yeah. maybe I have to, I don't know, wear a bear suit and surf or something like that and uh, think yeah. surf with 30 kilos around my neck or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah. who knows? My dad built, my dad built a seven-figure janitorial company off of that principle. And so and he, ended, he ended up selling it. And I you know, hated every minute of it, but built it all the way up to, to, to seven figures all based off the idea that, you know what, I'm going to do the thing that nobody else wants to do and I'm going to do it better than anybody else can and get paid for it. And, um, and that's that there's a lot of people that they turn their heads at that. I'm like, dude, you can make seven figures clean in toilets. You can, you know, if you're, if you're truly not passionate and you're truly not talented, it takes zero talent to clean a toilet. Absolutely none. You just get, it just takes a willingness. And so, um, that's, that's the kind of thing I, I try and help my, our undergrads open their eyes to, right. Cause they're always trying to be like, well, am I good at this? Or do I like that? Or blah, blah, blah. And all that kind of stuff. I'm like, unless you're again, unless you're in that top 1%, right. And in which case, if you are, I mean, if you are an incredible surfer, like just surf, do nothing else, but surf, abandon all things, drop everything else. You don't want to do that. No. Okay then then you're not really passionate about it right then they're then the people are not and so that's that's what i tell you know the students on there find find that thing um what else we knew and do it or walk the gentleman's path in which case you got to start reading a lot and you got to stop watching soap operas for the love of god or or reality tv and uh and pick up some some old books and go from there so and travel the world and yeah. talk to people, uh, do lots of yeah. things. Um, I've recently, after 25 years, I sort of, you know, I couldn't surf anymore because I'm here and, you know, mm-hmm. during the day anyway. So my wife said, look, you know, you used to play in a band before I met you. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, there's a band looking for a bass player. So I said, yeah, but I'm a singer and a guitarist. And she said, yeah, but I've seen you play bass. You can play. I'm like, 
okay. Yeah. So I went and joined uh, joined this band. I'm the bass player in that. And then I sort of uh, wow. So I started sort of doing that again. And I was like, well, actually, I'm not really enjoying being the guy standing at the back. You know, that sort of boom, 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 boom sort of thing. It was like, you know, and I'm not flea. You know, so I'm not about to do yeah. flips on stage. <laughs> So I sort of talked to a, someone else and, you know, they said, look, just stick an advert out there. You're English. It's Tash Kent, you know, come on, you know, get a grip. Yeah. So I've now started a band called the Clash Kent Pistols. We were, I started with a guy. I love, I love the Sex Pistols. He loves the Clash. So we just called ourselves yes. that, but we do a bunch yes. of songs and all of a sudden I'm sitting down the other day and, I'm, and three songs come out, you know, wow. my, my wife comes and she goes, are you hungry? And I'm like, what? She goes, I haven't seen you for six hours. The kids want to know if you're still alive. And I'm, you know, I'm like, have I been in here for six hours? She's like, yeah, seriously. So you just get absorbed by these things. I think you just have to sort of go for stuff. And if you're going to be a specialist, yeah, it's, it's a narrow field. Mm-hmm. But the generalists I know all have a huge amount of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. You really do, yeah. and that's that's the secret. That's the secret we we generalists hide from the uh, from the specialists. We tell them, yeah, I know it's difficult. It's tough. It's all it's all craziness. But the, there's there is nothing like the six hour flow that you just can't get from being a, a specialist. You know, from knowing from knowing something so rote that you can do it with your eyes closed. You know that they're, they're just there's there's no joy that comes from 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 that kind of work compared to just the challenge of making something new and it's so. the, it's the cross pollination of the ideas as well that comes with that you know i i use my musical stuff for work um yeah i transition technical people into people mm-hmm. managers you know and there's a whole split in people's heads when they do that yeah. it's try you cannot go and do the surgery yourself you're managing the hospital now you know right yeah, and they're standing there with their rubber gloves on in the prep room you're like you're the director of the hospital get out of there you know yeah. so it's a, like, uh, but it's kind of amusing I love final, it. final question you're from the mm-hmm. states it's mm-hmm. a tough one for people from the states who is your most creative person that you feel is you know alive dead doesn't matter yeah Man, I loved. Uh, I I have been enthralled with. Um, uh, oh, I I have a lot. It's, I think maybe that's the problem. Why why stateside people have a problem have a problem with that? Now now I've I had I had an answer, and then all of a sudden my brain started uh, spitting out a bunch of them. Um, I. Yeah, I loved Isaac Asimov. Man, I've read almost every single one of his books. He's the guy that wrote I robot. It's the movie most people are, are most famous for, but then the foundation series, I mean, literally the father of, of modern science fiction. Um, you know, you don't, you don't get star Wars if you don't have Asimov um, and what, and what he, and what he made and the way he was able to just, um, uh, he, the way he was able to come up with wholly different cultures. I mean, he would just spin out the foundation series was this massive galaxy spanning time spanning. So it was over, you know, the series covers a thousand years of history across a galaxy, you know, hundreds of millions of light years apart. And he was able to make these wholly unique worlds at each part and each part of time. And imagine all the different things that link in there just took a, an, 
an insane amount of creativity, rivaled probably only by Brandon Sanderson today, um, is the only other guy that I've managed to find who's been able to come up with that many unique, unique ideas. And so a whole different genre. He's fantasy. He doesn't, he's starting to dabble a little bit into sci-fi, but he's, he's a younger guy, but his, his is the first one that I've read since at uh, Asimov where I was like, Oh, this guy, this guy can, can come up with, I mean, to come up with whole cultures and civilizations and, and make them believable and real. That's, that's a special creativity talent in my book. So I think he's got a, probably one of the most abstract minds and brains that you could possibly sort of attach to somebody. Uh, yeah. Great example of a generalist as well. You can't yeah. do that as a specialist. You just, exactly. you could never make those connections. Could you? Nope. Nope. Not unless you know, know everything. And I think that's what I appreciate. That's what I've, I've appreciated about Sanderson and Asimov, both of them, um, both, but Sanderson, I mean, we're talking about magic and then all of a sudden he's pulling in quantum mechanics and physics and all the different yeah. stuff and brain surgery and all that kind of stuff. So I love it. It's good. Cool. Yep. I love your answer. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. I've got another 25 questions that I could ask you. I would love to have you back on the program again. Yeah. And love to be back. Let me, let me know. Let's do it. That'd be wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?